I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost of Words DFS podcast. Uh, I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, not a bad week for us last week, huh? No, it was pretty good. I mean, we, we were just talking off air and we sort of caught up a couple of times last night. You know, Thorpe Bjornsson, was was he 6K flat? I think he might have been 6,200 yeah. last week. Yeah. He, he was really cheap because I picked Gosser up and you picked Thorpe Bjornsson down there. Um, and obviously Thorpe Bjornsson legitimately had a chance to win at one point. Uh, made those couple of bogeys and, and couldn't do anything down the final four holes. But like he, he was really, really good, so that was a great call. Um, I think we were, you know, I'd, I'd sort of mentioned the Phoenix thing and that that meant that Thigala and Mitchell could have both played well. They finished second and sixth. Obviously, you picked Cantley from the top, who apart from Xander was the main guy, right? So I think, generally speaking, like Bradley, English, KH Lee, all of those guys we kind of covered, Power and Steel, we obviously both liked. So... You know, there was there was plenty to like about the formula last week, and you know just who who the guys that we were on. Yeah, my mistake was Leishman. I played a good deal of him, and he kind of burned me. But everyone else was really good. I had mostly five out of six, uh, and you know one six out of six that was okay. But um, I, yeah, I ended up doing pretty well. Leishman, I was a little worried about because some of those bets sometimes can have a good finish in a major, but it doesn't really mean that they're back. And that was I was kind of on the fence about that, and I ended up playing it anyway. But other than that, uh, it all went pretty well. Yeah, I think that they they were the ones that concerned, right? Him and him and Jason Day, like you just yeah, you never know quite. I, I was pretty, I don't know if I said it on this one, but certainly when, when Tambo tweeted out, I said that Mito was the guy that I thought was going to miss the cut. That everyone would be on he, and he did miss it on the number, so I was I was pretty happy about that uh, in terms of just being right. Obviously not happy for him, but um, you know, just just a pretty solid week. I thought I thought we did well, made some nice picks, uh, made a little bit of money here and there. So you know. Overall, good week. Good finish to the Travellers. Exciting finish. Um, should we be worried about Thigala going forward, or do you think that he'll just he's, he's had a couple of experiences now, and the next time he's is there, he'll get over the line? I, I think he'll shake it off. Um, you know, that putt on 17 was as pretty much clutch, clutch as it comes, and he definitely was feeling it at that time. He was able to make the putt. He rolled it in very confidently, and then I think the mistake was taken driver. I know today both he and his caddy said they thought that was the right move but it wasn't so no. was it was it Faldo that was just going absolutely crazy about it he was like I just I do not understand how you haven't picked up iron like you could have hit that 300 down there and even if you didn't the most you can have in the seven iron like he was beside himself about the decision yeah a lot of guys didn't take driver and I think he said the longest approach shot on the day and the 18 was like 156 and I think I think the thing is like there's some commentators that you'll accept it from and some you won't and what everyone's feelings are on on Nick, like he's got a point and he backs it up. He's he's done similar in in the situations. He knows when it is to make that kind of club choice, and it was just so such a bad decision. And like it wasn't like Phoenix where like he went in the water, but that is always the play, right? Like it just it never needed to be driver. Like it just no. didn't need to be, and, and it was such a quick swing. And then he compounds it by going full hog at it in the bunker, like. It just, it felt like a mini, like he spoke about feeling out of his body at Phoenix and it just mm-hmm. felt like he did exactly the same thing at Travelers, which I think is understandable. Like, you know, he, this is a guy that's used to winning, but not used to winning at this level. And, you know, you've got a guy like Xander Schoffele behind you who, you know, has his own problems, but is obviously a, a world-class player. JC Poston's, you know, put a number in a clubhouse at 17 under, you, you know, you need to kind of make sure you protect. Like, 
I don't know. It was just it was a really bold decision that that didn't pay off. But, you know, if it, if he had launched it and it went straight down the middle of the fairway, we'd all be having a different conversation right now. Right, and and Xander's to me not the type of guy who's going to go and get it. And he showed that all Sunday. He kind of just said, "I'm going to stay around here at 18 under and see if anyone can come catch me." And Degala basically did, and then uh, and then backed up. But I mean, Xander was perfectly willing to allow him to catch him. Which is which is terrible, right? Like Figala should never have been in a position to win. Like Lexi Thompson in, in the women's, you know, shouldn't have had a chance to win. Uh, Thomas Peters shouldn't really have had a chance to win in Europe. Like all these guys, like they all won in the end. Like Hao Tong, Shoffley, Inji Chung, like they all got the victories, but all of them made it so difficult. Podrick Harrington had like a five shot lead going into Sunday, just really just made it hard for himself. So um, just a tough scene. Like I think. I thought it was really important for Xander to get that win yesterday, and I think birdie in the last hole was huge. Like as much as he like could have done it in the playoff and, and won or whatever, like and he didn't even need to birdie in the end. Like the fact that when he had that approach in the middle of the, you know, hit it straight at the pin and and converted the birdie, but I feel like that's good. Good to have in the memory bank going forward for for Xander. Absolutely great sign for him. He was good. Uh, his his buddy Cantley, not so much. That was hmm. probably the most pathetic final round I can ever remember watching. And that's two weeks in a row for me, where my got my main outright that I bet is in position. Both I think one back. Yeah, both one back going into Sunday, and both of them completely shit the bed on Sunday. So a little bit disappointing. But Cantley, you know, as you said off air, he's not really himself this year. So is what it is. I I have just always been on the side of. So Cantley's win at um, Memorial was fortunate because of you know John Rahm pulling out. He then has a free. Was it fourteen strokes he gave in the putter against Bryson that week? Or was it ten? Something? Yeah. Like that's fourteen, a, fifteen. Yeah. That's a that's a freak performance. Never going to happen again. Like I just felt like a couple of big performances for him were freak results, and mm-hmm. maybe that's factored into more than it should have done. Um, because when you look at Pebble, he was really, really bad on the final day. Um, Phoenix, he wasn't so bad for the most part. He just obviously blew it towards the end, and Scheffler tried to give it to him, and both of them just didn't. But like, whereas Scheffler's now kicked on and turned into what he is, probably one of the most impressive number ones in recent years. Like, I don't see that from Cantlow. Like, he made nine bogeys in a double yesterday. Yeah, that was absolutely disgusting. And he's playing with what everyone—I don't know if they are—but they're they're meant to be best friends. Like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get it. Are, I... But... <laughs> Yeah, it was one of the most puzzling rounds I've ever seen. I can ever remember watching. Like, not even no exaggeration here. It it, it was absolutely befuddling to me. So he made three um, pars on the day, Matt. Nine bogeys, one double, five birdies to keep it to seventy six. Like, what yeah. a really weird round of golf. And he hit his shot from two ninety six to eleven feet. So it's not like he didn't have anything. It was just, he's so infuriating. I just I can't bet the guy. I can't watch the guy. How about the eight iron? On a par three, 200 yards, he hits it 105 yards. It barely even reached the lake. Never mind, got that was the worst shot I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like Patrick Cantley. I just I just don't I just don't like him. I don't want to bet on him. I don't want to put him in DFS. Like, it makes all the sense in the world sometimes, but not this yeah. time. Um, I will be out on Patrick Cantley for the foreseeable, and maybe that's an overreaction to to one round, right? And I'll, I'll probably pay for this in six episodes time, but. Uh, for the foreseeable, I will not be on Patrick Cantley. So, talking of pathetic, this John Deere Classic field. Um, you know, we don't want to mention a tour that should not be named because uh, it, it causes some some uh, issues. But uh, they've certainly picked the best week to come and take them on at the Portland event. 
Yeah, it seemed to be obviously tr- strategic. Um, I think part of it, Norman had said that he wanted to do it so the guys didn't have to make a tough, difficult decision. He's always said he wanted to coexist with the tour. I'm sure many people listening will not believe a word he says, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, I don't even necessarily believe that, but like, I think. I think the point stands that like he didn't he wanted it to be easier for the the players right like if he polled the players and said what events are you you know quite happy to miss Canadian Open was probably going to be one of them and luckily for the PGA Tour they got the best Canadian Open ever probably uh, out of that uh, then they've got this and I think it's the Rocket Mortgage is the next one he's going up against so it was definitely on purpose uh, and you know you just look at <laughs> you look at the the replacements this week in the John Deere Classic for the withdrawals and they are bad. Like we, you know, we are seeing some really bad guys get in. And I think sometimes they've got to do a better job of that alternate list. Yeah, yeah, they do. And um, you know, getting these young guys in there. I know Thor Bjornsson is playing. Um, I think in Scotland this week or wherever he is. He's but playing the Palmer you know, Cup, isn't he? Um, which because I thought he just didn't get an invite, which I thought was really poor. But uh, no, he's in the Palmer Cup. He may, he may, he may not have an invite though. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I do think they got to work on that, and I this field is is awful i think you gotta figure something else out for this time of the year because it's just three out of the you know next five events are just absolutely horrendous so it's not good well that, that, so afid barmer and kitsiyama went and played in europe they were played by Derek ernst and brian davis same moon bay is out john merrick is in davis riley is out and it says k stacker which i'm assuming is kevin stadler uh, so even the PJ Tour communications can't get that right. Uh, JJ Spawn out, Ryuji Amada in, Berger out, every in. Like once upon a time, all of those guys had you know something to say on the PJ Tour, but not anymore. So uh, not a great look for the John Deere Classic this week. But it's still a tournament, and it's still something we're going to play on DraftKings. Yep, absolutely. Um, maybe an opportunity to kind of get a little different. It seems like a lot of people are looking at the same guys, and I think you know a lot of these players in the field have just as good of a chance to win when they're really low priced as the ones who are really high priced so maybe you know get a little bit wonky here i the first build i made just out of interest of like who i could go with without really going to the top and more of a bet in mind i had 1800 dollars left on the table so uh i wouldn't advise that for people but i think there's a possibility to do it i think this week it's it's advisable you know for the most part i don't see any reason like looking at the pricing here i don't think that you know, a guy like at the top here and like Denny McCarthy at, you know, whatever price he is really high has more of a chance to win than a guy at 7,500. Yeah. I mean, let's go down the prices then. So Webb Simpson's 10.6, Hadwin's 10.4, Figala's 10.1, Jason Day's 10, uh, Denny McCarthy's 9.9, Maverick McNeely 9.5, Charles Halliford 9.3, Bez Wiedenhout 9.1. So going to, we extended into the 9Ks there as well. But like we've seen flashes of Webb Simpson recently but he's not playing like a 10-6 guy at the moment ultimately um you know at his best he was a 10-6 guy uh and when he was winning tournaments but he hasn't done that for a while so as much as I respect the game of Webb Simpson and I do think uh he is coming back and I've heard a lot of positive things from his camp 64 and 66 last week um isn't enough to make it a a 10-6 play for me no 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 um not at all I'm probably going to skip this whole 10k range jason day at 10k is obviously laughable and you know that that'll give you some leverage if that's what you're looking for but he just has has been so awful he's lost on approach in like six straight events um that was a mistake i tried to get cute last week with it but i just gotta avoid that guy uh the only guy i'd consider playing would be tagala but uh, i don't think uh, it's a good cause for him i think i I felt good about him last week because i liked the the phoenix link 
Um, and I was sort of saying to Jason on the betting podcast, like, if he's the guy that we think he is and he's going to challenge for the events that we think he's going to challenge for, then he needs to play well this week. Like, in terms of, like, talent should just take over core suitability. But, I, yeah, I just don't see it. Uh, Jason Day has played here, like, five times 20 years ago and never really finished better than 15th. So that was nothing for me, really. Adam Hadwin, I guess, is someone that's a little bit harder to rule out just because of the way he's playing. But, again, just not keen to jump in on him at 10k. Oof. So Gross. that leaves Denny McCarthy, Maverick McNeely, Charles Halliford and Christian Bezwiedenhout to talk about. I mean, I, I don't play Bezwiedenhout at 7,800, so 9,100 is a hard pass for me. But any of the other guys that kind of took your fancy? You know, believe it or not, my very first build that I made when I was messing around today was starting with Stallings. Um, I think that might be somewhat popular because he's getting a lot, of, a lot of love, but I do like him. The one, But I had so much money on the table. The one guy I was kind of looking at was Howell. Um, I don't think he can win, but I don't think you need him to because I think it's going to be a shot in the dark. I just think you know pretty much anyone can win this event. So if you have a guy that you think has a reasonable chance of finishing in the top ten and you have plenty of money left over, you know he's the type of guy who I you know just pencil in there and hope he comes in eighth place. I think I would just put Hadwin in like if I wanted, if I had to take an expensive guy just because he's got eighteenth and eighteenth and eighth place finishes here and both times he's finished with sixty five and sixty four. So like he seems to be able to go low, but yeah, like you like. Stallings was my fo- main focal point of attention, and that's not going to be unique. It's not going to be, um, you know, groundbreaking. But he's just playing so well. Like the the irons are great, the ball striking general is great. He looks like a guy that c- is going back to his former past where he can win. Um, you know, he's he's actually been second going into the final round in 2017. Here, finished fifth. Just, I like Texas as a bit of a link. Like just Texas golf in general, but Colonial is the obvious one. Stricker, Zach Johnson, Spieth, and Kenny Perry have all won at both. Sean O'Hare has won this and finished second at Colonial. Bryson's have won here, finished third at Colonial. And Brian Harmon's won here and finished seventh at Colonial. And even like Glover last year, won here, eighth at Colonial. So it does seem to bear like, you know, form that, that Texas does stand out. And Scott Stallings has got, got a really good record in, you know, he's got three top four finishes in Texas, including two at Colonial. So. Round of the day last Sunday of a 63. I think he shot a 64 on Friday as well. Um, just had that kind of Thursday 74 that put him behind the eight ball. So I really, really like Scott Stallings in, in basically every format. Me too. I, I was going to bet him. I think I had a 35 was my best number. And I just couldn't stomach it. But I do think I'm going to stop my lineups with him. I honestly think you can fade anyone. Like, you don't have to play a 10 and a 9K. You can leave $2,000 on the table this week. And I, I plan on probably doing it. I just don't think there is any difference between playing a guy at 8,900 and a guy at 7,400. There just isn't. So I, I think the best way to do it, to be unique and to have a chance to, you know, win something big could be just to completely go out there. This is the one week. Screw it. Just play guys who you have a gut feeling about and maybe try to get as different as possible. Is Patrick Rogers a guy that you believe will win on tour at some point? No. He's never shown it, but like, this is a guy that was like electric in college. To my understanding, yeah. like he was huge at Stanford, like, and it was, and it's been promise. Like, there's been times where he's had chances. One of them was here. He's finished second here uh, a few years ago. I just, like, he seems to be playing good golf again. Like that, that is for sure. Like, tenth for Mexico, thirty second at Byron Nelson, thirty fifth at the Charles Schwab, and then eighteenth and thirty first last two weeks, including the U.S. Open. Like, there's been some really good signs, but he just never feels like he's gonna win. 
that's how I feel. I see a lot of people betting him at 35 to 1. He's going to be very popular in the betting market, and he's also, I project him to be probably one of the highest owned guys on the slate here. Um, definitely in the top five, I think, without a doubt. So for me, that's, I'm probably going to fade him because of that. And, you know, he, yes, I mean, coming out of college, he was regarded as a better player than Jordan Speed. Yeah. Um, and he was, I mean, he's almost 30, though, and he's, he's done absolutely nothing. He's done absolutely nothing. So I'm not going to bank that this is the one week that he can do it, but. With that being said, you know, as you mentioned, this is the course where he's had some success and has the has had the best chances to win. Um, but a very, very popular, very expensive Patrick Rogers just isn't for me. Who would it be for you in this 8K range? I mean, we've obviously spoken about Scott Stallings, but like Adam Long, Nick Hardy and Brendan Todd are three in a row there that all kind of got my attention. I had Brendan Todd written up as a betting selection and I put a huge line through him when he was 30 to 1 and just it just, you know, it was horrendous. And I think he missed his first six cuts at this golf course and then finished 18th on his last start. So it feels like Brendan Todd can do it uh, here. It should be a course that suits him well, but he just hasn't done it consistently. Yeah, he can. Uh, I've played in the last couple of weeks and he's just been okay, but not great. The problem is for him to contend, he needs to gain seven, eight, nine strokes putting. And uh, he really hasn't been doing that as much. And I just don't trust the rest of his game enough. Um, you know, the week I get off, and we'll probably do fine. But for me, I'm just kind of skipping that. those four guys. You said I like Stallings. I'm probably starting lineups with him. And the next guys I like um, are Cameron Davis at 8,400 is the big one. Um, and then Cam Champ at 8,000. 8, those are the two guys that I'll be playing here. Yeah, I think both of those guys have really high upside. And I think their big hitting will suit the track, despite the fact you don't need to be long hits. Like, historically, it's always been a course for, like, the nudges, as we like to call it over here. But, like... Yeah, I, I do think distances, you know, sort of Fratelli, obviously won here uh, two years ago. I don't think he was quite as long a hitter as he, he is now. Adam Long, I felt, was a little bit harder to rule out than the other guys. Just, I think he shot a 64 to open two years ago or three years ago, 2019. Uh, he opened with a 64 and finished, he finished 53rd that week. But like last year, he was third going into the final round and just shot a 73 on the final day. So I think I think Adam Long would get my attention. I think I could start some lineups with Scott Stallings and Adam Long for me. Yeah, I, I like that. We've seen him win, you know, and he's he's reasonably capable of that. Um, approach numbers haven't been the best the last three. He was good at the Charles Schwab, like you said. That could be some type of a correlation. Uh, hasn't finished in the top ten this season. I don't think he's finished in the top ten since 2020 um, in an event. But, I mean, that's what which, you get here. Which is really, exciting, uh, really surprising, right, because it feels like he's been playing – pretty well all season like it just seems to be that you can't put four rounds together. like 12 for the heritage 15 for mexico so that's a shot each right houston opened 11th rsm 16th so actually what what i want him to do is great like 11th at houston 35th at texas 35th again in texas like 21st and 25th coming in so a lot to like about adam long in terms of course fit in terms of playing one in houston in terms of just about everything really i i like you say, though, it just seems to be that the upside isn't there to to take him on. But in a week where you know you don't need to go to the top, I mean, I've just I've just plugged four players, and this this will lead us into the kind of seven k range. So I've started this with Scott Stallings, Adam Long, Ches Reevy, and John Hur, and they're they're the guys at the top of the seven k range that I like. Yet Ches was the uh, guy that I'm betting. I bet him at fifty to one. Um, he's been 
kind of coming on lately. His last five starts, he's in the finish in the top 27 four times, eighth last week at the Travelers. Um, and he reminds me a lot of Lucas Glover last year, right? Yeah. He's a guy who can, you know, stick his approach shots. If he gains three and a half strokes putting like Glover did last year, he can win. Um, and he's a great wedge player, and he's going to have a lot of, you know, between 100 and 150 in. And he's just the type of guy who, and I trust him to win if he's in that. I mean, he's going to be the type of guy who, if he's going up against an unproven player, I, I trust him to get it done. Yeah, I mean, was he got like four top 27 finishes the last five starts, including eighth, mm-hmm. which is the best of the bunch last week. Uh, Travelers is obviously a golf course um, that he's won at, so good vibes from that. But I don't think actually that it's a bad fit taking uh, Travelers over to this anyway. I think that, that kind of uh, seems to fit the mold a little bit. He's got a fifth at Colonial way back when. Um, Phoenix isn't, again, the worst kind of correlation. So... I do trust Chedrivi. I think when you look at the fact when he has got the wins, he's kind of stretched the field a bit, won by like three or four strokes. So I like that as well. I think that's something you need at a golf course like this. Like just keep putting your foot down. But forgive me, Matt, because I kind of skipped over why you liked Cam Davis and, and Cameron Champ. So if you want to speak on them quickly. Yeah, both those guys. I mean, just this whole week, I think my theme is going to be swing for the fences. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But like you said, playing a guy like Long, whose ceiling might be 11th, yeah. At 8,500, I'd rather just play a guy at 8,400 and 8K flat, who I, who I know can are capable of winning. Champ hasn't been great, but I know he's capable of winning, especially in a bad field. This is just the type of event you can absolutely see him getting it done at. Davis, same thing. Um, good with a wedge, good bank grass putter. Champ, you never see those putting weeks. You never know when they're going to come, but when he does, he can gain eight or nine strokes putting. And those are two guys who I think, if they're at their best, they could easily win this. And I want to just take guys who I think can win because I want the winner in my lineup. So the thing is, I would remind you of what you said to me about Cameron Champ earlier in the year, that like he does signpost what he's going to do, and he hasn't over the last few weeks. But do you think the John Deere is an event that you don't need to do that in? Like, it just feels like a really easy golf course that, you know, I think I look back at the kind of current form of the winners here recently, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't good. Like, Glover wasn't, he'd shown a couple of signs. Fratelli wasn't consistent. Michael Kim certainly wasn't consistent. Like... It feels really hard outside. Like 2017, 2010, it was either elites or guys that played the course well before. But like, just the last three or four years, it just feels like you can just tear this course apart and just if you've got it that way, you've got it. Yeah, Glover had lost strokes and approach in three consecutive events, and then he gained seven here in one. <laughs> um, and the thing with with Champ is that last year, this is where he started to get it together. Um, he was bad four stroke four events in a row, and then he finished eleventh here, and then he won the next week. Um, so I think there's something about this course and the layout and how easy it is is a, a good place for him to find it. I, I actually don't, you know, I don't think there's a he has a great chance of winning, but I think if he's 50, 60 to one, if you play this tournament between 50 and 60 times, he wins it more than once. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And like Cam Davis as well, like 53rd and 55th are not great on like just just looking at them from a macro sense, but like. Opening rounds both times, 66 to sit 10th in 2019 and 67 to sit 12th on the first day. Like, he's had three decent rounds basically in each event and then just kind of lit himself down on a couple. Right. Yeah. I, he just, I mean, I, it was kind of confusing because he was playing so well through, you know, before the last 27 holes last week. I thought he was going to be kind of getting to contention. I was really nervous about him because I, th- I mean, I thought I. Cantley was going to uh, get it done, but then he was kind of lurking, and I was like, he's a guy I'm really worried about, and then he kind of fell off the map, but I think it's good to see him, you know, I think it's more of a positive than a negative the way he played. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I definitely agree, and like now I just, you know, I've sort of said the spill on Ches Reavy. I'm now going to go into John Hur, and 
I've bet John Harris 66 to 1, which feels horrendous, but he loves Texas, like second at Valero in 2012, fifth 11th and 12th at Colonial, eighth at uh, Byron Nelson. He's also got a third at like Heritage and Wyndham, which I don't think are too bad at comps. Um, three straight top 25s, last three, uh, three events, five in total on the season. I think it might actually be six. I think I might have written that down wrong. Um, it feels like a, a pretty decent revival for John Hur, who, like, when he won in Mike Hover in 2012, like, we probably felt this was a guy that was going to win again, or at least, you know, that's what I read a couple of times back then. Um, ninth in the field over the last 15 weeks in straight scan approach, 14th for Tease Green in that same span. Field trip down to the last eight weeks, and he's fourth in Tease Green, and he finished seventh here in 2018. So, hasn't done a lot otherwise on the golf course, but that 2018 result and just the way he's playing kind of stuck out to me. Folks, Sweaty Sack Summer is approaching and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the King of Crotch Comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademark the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to Pleasure Town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing. And the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code LFW20 at manscaped.com. And that's 20% off and free shipping with LFW20 at manscaped.com. So once the boxes 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Yeah, um, I think all those things are good points. I think it's definitely a good DK play for me. You know, it's just a sticker shock on betting him at, at that price. It's like, I don't think he's been like less than 200 to 1 in yeah. you know, a year. I just had to take the approach of like put tape over the names and if the stats fit, just bet them. Like Scott Stallings was, it felt horrendous. Like having a card of 33 to 1 Stallings, 50 to 1 Reevee, 50 to 1 Schenk, and 66 to 1 Her is, is frightening, but they haven't got much competition. I agree. And you can still do those things and still be underexposed for what you would normally. Yeah. risk in a week just because you don't have to you know go anywhere near the top so I, yeah um i won't be, be playing him but i do like to play and i um you know i'm going for those kind of home run guys but i do think he's definitely trending towards something i assume poston's gonna get some high ownership Let's see poston um i was looking at poston from yeah he is looking like 13 14 nothing like crazy so I was really expecting JC Poston to have played well here in the past. Like just like as soon as I think about JC Poston, I think Wyndham, I think um, Heritage. But you know, 64th, 65th miscut, miscut in his first four starts here. Like just bad. Like just a bad yeah. uh, run here. So I think at the high ownership and the price, I can leave them alone. Yeah, he's a guy I want to save for the Wyndham or one of those types of places. Like you know he. Travelers, he's been good at two throughout his career, so it's like he seem, certainly has his spots, and I don't think this is one of them. I'll let other guys play him, but I just don't. It doesn't feel like a JT Poston course at all for me. Um, so yeah, just just following on from JT Poston's, obviously uh, eight thousand there, and I just I just don't trust him to get done that price. I think he's going to be popular. 
think you know it's a very easy decision to to kind of play him when he's just played really two good really good rounds at um at the Travelers 62 and 64 so I'm going to go against that but is Adam Schenk in that same boat like playing some solid golf and fourth and sixth um, on the golf course he's going to be popular I'm guessing and, and probably another one that you might just want to leave alone to be different yeah he's just so hard to trust Adam Schenk and I mean before let's see when did he play well was it the US Open yeah he was like 30 he was 24th so yeah but he, and he missed the cut last week um yeah it's just it's a little risky for me um does he have course history here yeah fourth and sixth fourth and sixth uh yeah it's it, it is good it is good so, it's, so it's, a, it's a good play but like it's, it's not going to be missed and like it feels like adam Schenk when he looks like a good play is a bad idea like it's a, almost just don't want to do it um I've, I've bet on him because it doesn't matter how many people bet as long as they win um, but yeah. like, in terms of DraftKings, I, I, if I want to get different, um, I'll probably leave Adam Schenk out. Yeah, I agree. I'm not. I, I'm not going to go there. What, what was his betting price? Uh, Fifty to one. It wasn't great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to pass on him altogether then. So then you've kind of got the other Adam, Adam Svensson at the same price, seventy-seven hundred. You've got Alex Smalley, seventy-six. Doug Gim, seventy-six. Dylan Fratelli, seventy-six. Obviously, a course winner and now a different skill set. Did any of those appeal? Uh, I want to say no for me. Um, Smalley maybe a little bit. He doesn't seem to be as popular as I expect him to be. But I guess this is the place where you'd you'd look at a guy who you know may be considered an up and comer to to kind of do well. A lot of guys got their first um, win here. I'm trying to look up how old he is because some of these young up and comers aren't really as young as we think they are. But he is young. Uh, I think he's like 26. So he's he's a guy who could be all right. Uh, um, Gim, no, not for me. Uh, Nick Taylor seems to be pretty popular, and he's playing well. Does he do anything for you? Nick Taylor's just that guy where, like, he never feels like he's going to do anything, but he just does. And, like, he's missed the first three cuts and then finished 34th, 33rd, and 28th. So, like, he's got better every year that he's played here. I think when he was 34th, he opened for 64th to sit 3rd, uh, 67 and 66 in 2019, and a 67 and 65 to open last year. So, like... Gets off to a hot start at this golf course and he just never seems to be able to see four rounds together. But we know Nick Taylor can do that, and uh, those are the type of players that you need, I guess. Yeah, you know what? I wish Pendrith was healthy because I just can't trust that he's healthy. The fact that he withdrew from the Canadian Open a couple of weeks ago, and that's obviously his, his home event, and um, I think he'd be a great fit here and a guy who I'd like to be on, but it just I just can't trust the health. Do we do we roll Scott uh, Steve Stricker out? Um, I mean, he's he's healthy now, and obviously just nearly won the the US Senior Open, and has won I, the region's I, tradition. Like, I I don't want to do it, but like, it's such a bad week. It is bad. Um, he's fifty five years old. <laughs> that's 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 the concern. But like, it strikes me as like you know, Davis Love won at whatever age he was when he won. It feels like if, if Steve Stricker can win at this level, we can still do it on this golf course. Yeah, and uh, I, I actually looked into that, and, and this early, earlier I was kind of looking at the results. I don't think he's had a top fifty. He hasn't played much, but a top fifty on the PGA Tour, and I don't, I don't know how many years. Um, but he was not. He was forty like, first here last year, so that's the positive. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it does make sense, but it's not like he's in, incredibly cheap and he's incredibly unpopular. It's like if he was one of those two things, then I would take the risk. But he's reasonably popular, nothing crazy, but he's definitely not unowned, and he's. 
you know, what is he, 7,700? So yeah, it, it makes 74 sense. Is. Yeah, I, I'll probably pass, but, um, you know, all the power to the people who want to play him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because then I've got a guy who I thought you'd like David Lipsky. I feel like this is a golf course that you could play well at. And I like Mark Hubbard. I like Hubbard too. He's actually top 10 in my model. He looks pretty popular, but he's a guy who like someone who can make a journeyman who can make their breakthrough. It seems like he's one of those types of guys. Yeah. Like he, he's a guy that this is an important week to, right. And that that's not for everybody. And he's got two starts here. He's uh, two made cuts here out of four. He's 24th and 41st. And like, he's just really solid right now. Like he's just hitting the ball. Well, um, ball striking solid and you can't say that about a lot of people in the field so although he's only got like they're like 32nd 52nd 29th 44th 46th like they're not strong finishes but in this field that's probably a top 15 top 20 and that's all we probably need yep yeah that's that's one thing I, I probably have to do a better job of doing is like transferring what the finishes have been and what they would have been if they were playing in a field like this so he, he is definitely those types of guys you know the Adam Long argument you made earlier that probably is you know transferable to uh, you know, a better finish than we've seen from him. So, yeah, I, I like Hubbard a lot. I wasn't thinking about him before, but you definitely uh, opened my eyes there. I saw someone tweet you about passing Kazaya. What do you make of him? He said the enigma, because that's what I call him on my other show, because uh-huh. you, you never know what you're going to get from him. He's just so unpredictable. Um, yeah, he I can't do I it. He's bad right now. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't been playing well. If he if he had been, maybe, maybe, but he's, yeah, he hasn't finished better than 64th and three months so yeah i'm that's probably gonna be a no for me but he is one of those guys who like can just randomly gain seven strokes putting and it's a very tough thing to bank on but he is one of them yeah and he's got the, the course history 25th 30th 11th in his three starts so there's like there's reasons too and i must admit like it, when i made my long short list for betting he was on it uh but he just very quickly off of it because i just don't trust him to do uh anything really hank Levioda's kind of made a little bit of a comeback and like it was really important to see what he did at Travelers last week because that is a golf course that he plays well at. And the Open was 66, close of a 68. That was a week after finishing 28th at the Canadian Open. And he's got uh, an eighth on his second start here, which was last year. So I do think Leviota is of, of interest. This is where he got hot last year, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he opened with a 64 and closed with a 65 in this event. And then he started kind of stringing some good finishes together. Yeah. I think at the 3M, he was like incredibly popular or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I I like Leviota. He makes some sense. Um, I've typically not loved him in the in the past, and because um, you know when he got so popular, it makes me kind of turn on guys a bit. Yeah. But he's un, he, he's very unowned too, and I think um, he's kind of a sneaky, sneaky good play. Um, the one guy that we kind of went through that I forgot to say was Goderup. You know, he's going to be somewhat popular, but he's been putting some, together some good finishes, and we talked about how we can kind of translate good finishes and you know decent finishes and better fields to. You know, what he did at the U.S. Open, what he did last week, he's kind of stringing them together in, in events that have good fields. Yeah, and I think that's the same. Like, the only thing, like, I didn't go to Gosford just because of the the price increase on the betting, but, like, yeah, I think I think he's worth a play. I think, you know, there's a, there's a chance that he really has a breakthrough here. We saw what Thorby Johnson done last uh, last week, and I think he could do something similar here. Um, Andrew Putnam is 15th at the Charles Schwab, 31st at the U.S. Open, 46th at the Travelers. Like, they're probably better results in this field. And then you've got Nate Lashley and Matt Wallace, who I think of interest at 7,200. Wallace is a tough one for me. Like, I love what he's been doing. He's been playing really good golf. He, But is he going to go in the John Deere Classic? It just seems so... Well, 
the thing is, like, I originally thought that he was the type, when you look at, like, how he's played in majors and stuff, that he's going to be tight. Needs to go to a grind it out PJ Tour event if he's going to have success. But the one thing that I really liked was like he was dead before he went back to the DP World Tour, right? Like he was awful. And then he finished fifth at the Dutch Open, 18th at the European Open, come right back to Canada, finished 35th, 46th at the Travelers. And all of a sudden I just believe in him again. Um, and if I can believe in Matt Wallace, then at 7200 and 100 to 1 in terms of betting. Um, in terms of ball striking, he's right up there in this field just because of what he's done in the European Tour. But um, yeah, I thought that was of interest. And Nate Lashley's just playing better golf than than this price suggests, even in the betting market as well. So um, really hard person to rely on Nate Lashley. But again, we're just talking about in context of this field. He's probably like I don't feel like Nate Lashley's that much cheaper anyway than seventy two hundred. No. Like I feel it's... like this is his price all the time, and he's in a really shit field. And that was kind of my point with like Nate Lashley at 7,200, 70, yeah, 7,200 has just as good a chance to win as, um, let's see, Adam Long probably. Charles Howell the third, you know. Charles Howell the third, uh, you know, CT Pan, Post, and all these guys, I just think um, he is super live with. Yeah, I agree. But I think that is, you know, a really key point. And yeah, it's, it's one of those things you just, you don't know what to do, right? It's, it's such a hard event to pass through. Is it? Is it going to be a journeyman that comes through? Is I mean, it's, I saw someone I think say to you that like a young star could break through and it's prime for that, but there's just not those guys in this field aside from kind of Gotter up and Thigala. Like it really is just a lot of journeyman pros. I mean, I, I'm looking at like Ryan Armour at 7100, Scott Brown at 7000. Like Scott Brown has played here nine times made seven cuts, and when he's made the cut, never finished worse than tied 25th. Like, that is huge. Right. That, that was my biggest disappointment I've had this week, was I came into it like, all right, I know the field's not going to be good, but I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to take all the young guys who I think are eventually going to be good yeah. and hopefully get the breakthrough here and just try to enjoy seeing these guys on the big stage. And they're just not in the field. Yeah. Um, the one, I guess, a good segue here is a guy at 72, or I think 7, 7K flat, who I like, is Brandon Wu. Um, and I've talked about him on him uh, on here before and you know it worked out before but you know and he hasn't been playing well at all but for me that's just like a high ceiling guy who i believe in long term type of play we talked about you really don't need that type uh, of form coming into the event to to uh to spike no one's gonna play him um you know it looks like his results are all in past palm which they are in the pj tour but he did win the corn ferry tour championship that was on bent grass and a lot of players, you know, he beat a lot of players that are probably the best players in this field. So I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give a high upside chance on him. Yeah, and I think the the thing with Wu is like one, you're obviously right about him at the Mexico Open. That's where you're on him. And like going into like the run, like missed the cut of the Amex, missed the cut of the Tory Pines, missed the cut of Pebble, missed the cut in the Corman Ferry Tour. Uh, Honda Classic gets cut after the yeah, he missed the cut there as well. Then he goes third at the Puerto Rico Open, 33rd at the Valspar, 28th at Corrales, second at Mexico. Then he misses the cut again, but then he shoots a pair of 66s in the Byron Nelson, which I love the Texas thing. Misses the cut at the Charles Schwab, then makes the cut at the Memorial, but shoots a pair of 80s over the weekend, which is very easily done on that golf course. And then kind of misses the cut again at Travelers, but not horrendous scores. So again, it's just it's just passing through whether he can do it in a, a really weak field, a, a, you know, a really easy course. Yes, for, for me, it's the question is how many young guys with his college pedigree 
are you going to get at no ownership at 7k flat in this field so that's just like makes it worth it for me because i'm assuming it's kind of low 7k range people are just going to skip and then go into the 6k guys that i think have the same upside like hayden buckley and um grayson sig i imagine might get a little bit lower though he's he's not been in great form like bill huss has been talked about a couple of times because he played so well with his irons last week like you just Yikes. don't you don't need to go in this 6k range at all because of the way you can build um you know lineups but is there anyone in the 6k range that you thought was of interest to you um you mentioned him buckley was the guy who i liked yeah. i uh i think he's just another guy high upside um type of play he was good at the u.s open um i think he has you know he's gained off the tee in seven straight events he's gained approach a couple of straight events um 43rd last week but he lost 3.6 around the green and if you need to gain strokes around the green at the John Deere, then you're probably not winning any or contending <laughs> anyway. So um, I, I think he's a, a good uh, high upside play as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's a really tough range of 6K because they're already all bad players, even in the 9K range. But like Brandon Hagee at 6,400, I thought was a name of interest. He's played some good golf here in the past, played okay in flashes recently. And then the guy that I've bet, which I don't know if I, I condone playing him in a fantasy lineup, uh, but Andrew Landry is missed a ton of cuts uh, recently. Like, I think he's only made two all year. And I think there may be some health problems with Andrew Landry as well. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe you know better than me on that. But like, when you think of Andrew Landry, do you think there's anywhere in the world that he's, other than this, where he's made all of his cuts on this golf course? Definitely not, I would say. Um, funny story about Landry, actually. One time I... Uh, I was at TPC Boston and I saw him and I had a, I had a hat signed by uh, Henrik Stenson and Alex Norn and he tried to sign it. Cause I was like kind of just standing there and wasn't paying attention. And I had to take it away and said, please don't sign it. Um, so <laughs> you're not Swedish. <laughs> yeah. But, but there's no, there's no, you know, I don't think there's any unreasonable plays here. So I think if you have any, any type of form, any type of God on a guy, Andrew Landry is one of them. There's no reason Andrew Landry can't contend at this event because anybody can. Yeah, I just, I just, I just like the fact that he's got that eighth and third place finish. I like the fact that he's a bit of like James Hahn, like he can just win when there's no reason to say that he should. Like there is nothing to say that Andrew Landry is going to win a gold tournament, but there very seldom is on a player like that. Um, right. One thing I would point out to people is don't see Riley at the bottom of this price range and at 6,200. I think that's <laughs> Davis Riley. That is Quinn Riley, who I legitimately have never heard of, and I, I feel like I'm pretty plugged into a to golf but um <clears throat> yeah i don't think you need to go here like it would be really alarming if you need to go into the bottom 6k range because it makes me wonder what you've done with your build at the top um the guys at the 6k range are all these kind of alternates that have got in that basically can't play golf anymore so um dylan woo's right down there the other woo i mean mm-hmm. i i can't do it but that might be somewhere for, for other people and then you just got uh, yeah i don't even want to there's no one else that i want to play in this range um, yeah, Gimlet, who just kind of won a, a Corn Ferry event um, recently. He's kind of a bomber who has that skill set that might be like a, a champa type of guy. I'm probably not going to play him, but but that was just one person I would. 6800 for Joseph Bramlett has been. He's a guy that people have wanted to be good for a while now. Um, he's finished fifth and 23rd the last two weeks in Shotes Gain Approach, and he's been second and 11th in Teaser Green. So there's been a lot to like about Joseph Bramlett. It's just. Again, like you don't even have to trust these guys. Like, you're not going to trust anyone in this field. Like, that's this is the reason for the field. So, I don't know. It, it, this feels like a long way of saying I don't know what to do with Joseph Bramlett, but 
37th at the US Open, 56th at the Travellers, 51st at the Byron Nelson, suggests that he's kind of on a run of making cuts. Um, other than that, I don't really have anything else to add. Yeah, I mean, there's, if you want to go there, you can, but like you said, there's no real reason to dip down to the 6K range just because you're going to leave money on the table probably anyway. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think, I think you know, rather than wasting any more time on the John Deere Classic, as much as I, I like, I actually really like the John Deere Classic. I like where it is in the schedule. I like people going from there to the Open Championship. I like a lot about it. I just can't get enthused about it this week. So, uh, gun to your head, Matt. If you had to take someone from the 10K range, who would be the guy? I guess I'll go Webb just because he is the highest upside. But I don't really, I'm not really playing any of them. Yeah, I'm going to go with Adam Hadwin. I think there is, you know enough to like about him to suggest that if you do desperately want to play a guy at 10k because you don't believe in anyone else uh, that's absolutely fine uh i mean you could have added any we could have had the 9k guys in there as well like you, you had denny mccarthy you had maverick mcneely you had charles had a third there's whedon help but i don't trust any of those guys either yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take two in the ak there yeah i think stallings there just seems very little reason to go in the 10 and 9k range just for the sake of going in it so um, I would take Scott Stallings as well at the 8900, um, and I kind of like Adam Long as well at 8600. Like to me, they just seem like the two guys I, I can rely on the most. And then it's kind of going into the low eights and the let's say the mid sevens. It's a bit of a weird ranges this week. Yeah, I'm gonna go Cam Davis there in the eights, and I'm gonna say Champ, you know, because I kind of skipped the nine, so those two guys. And then in the sevens, I'm gonna go with Chez. Yeah, I'm going Ches in the high sevens, and uh, I don't feel great about it, um, but I'm going to go with uh, Mark Hubbard at 7,400. I just think he's solid. He's pretty reliable uh, at that price point. So let's go to the low sevens. Let's go to 73 uh, to the 6,800. I'm going to go Brandon Wood, taking a shot on him. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm going to go with Matt Wallace. I'm going to give him a chance to, uh, to show what he can do. Um, and then I'm going to play Scott Brown as well, just for the really solid uh, bank of form that you get on that course. And then I guess let's just pick one guy in a 6K range. So on top of obviously Wu that you've had there, um, any other guys? For me, it's Buckley. Um, and he's not actually as popular as I expect he's going to be. I, I, I really like that play. Yeah, I, th- I think Buckley has got, I mean, you look for a guy that's got upside in a 6K range in a really, really bad field. Uh, he's the guy. I mean, I, I'm going to be avoiding all this range personally myself, um, so I don't advocate playing anybody. But uh, if I had to, I think I quite like Hagia. I like some of the things that I've looked into him. There's been some course form. There's been some sort of correlating form. I don't love it. I, I have no other reasons. But, uh, yeah, if I had to go there, Brandon Hagee. Yeah, don't mind him. I actually will be playing Buckley. I don't, I'm not just saying it just to say it. I think I actually uh, have some interest in him. Yeah, I like that, Matt. Let's... Um, Let's wrap that up there for the John Deere Classic. I think it's a tournament that leaves a bit to be desired. Uh, I think it's it's come at probably the right time in the schedule after a, a really strong stretch of events. So they can kind of just take a pause. They've got some other things to deal with. Um, and then we'll sort of start getting ready for the Scottish and, and the Open. Absolutely. Set the lineup and then forget it. Get a little crazy. Don't be afraid to take some risks and just uh, hopefully enjoy it. You're going to have to take risks. you literally got no choice. Uh, there is just a field worth of uh, horrendous players. And uh, I agree with that, Matt. So uh, good luck, everybody out there, and uh, enjoy the week.